But the midwives had far too much respect for God and didn't do what the king of Egypt ordered. They let the boy babies live. Exodus chapter 1, verses 17 through 18. When my youngest son was born, it was magical. Not in the witchcraft kind of way, but in the Walt Disney sort of, tingles-down-your-spine-heaven-on-earth sort of way. Actually, if the truth be told, and why not tell it, I loved him before he was born. In the early ultrasound, he looked a bit like a skeletal transformer. But even still, I loved him before we met. Life and beauty are gifts. I'm not talking about the kind of beauty that is marketed and sold in bottles and formulas, but the kind that comes crying in a wrinkled and bloodied newborn body. Life in this most fragile form is a gift to the world, a sign of something greater, bigger, deeper. I talk to people all the time, strong and scary people, people with scars and leather jackets and lots of tattoos, who say that the birth of a baby took all their pain away. All their resentments left them as they held a six-pound bundle of skin and bones. A baby who can't do anything for itself somehow allowed them to experience the gift of life. It took their breath away. When they tell me their stories, I understand. It's my story, too. Perhaps you know what I mean. It's not always a newborn baby. The gift comes in kindness and goodness expressed everywhere. It's there in beauty and hope revealed through small acts of life every single day. Life has power. Beauty has strength. It's quite remarkable when you think of it, and it's important to remember. I remember a man who was an alcoholic for years. He was unwanted and rejected, regularly escorted out of towns by the police. He told me about being in detox, trying to get better, but shaking and feeling so very sick as the alcohol was leaving his body. Sick and alone, that part of his life was a blur, but he remembers something very clearly. A lovely nurse sat with him and held his head in her lap, caressing his hair as a mother might have done, had he ever had a mother who loved him. He said he just wept. He wept in the lap of love. As he recalled the story, he couldn't remember the last time someone had touched him with kindness. That kindness impacted him. It was powerful, a force of love. He told me his story years later as my supervisor in the Salvation Army, a wonderful man of God who fought every day for others, trying to spread goodness to a dark and lonely world. He was an incredible example of what one life and the power of kindness can do in the world. This is what I love about Exodus. The story God tells of the deliverance of his people from slavery in Egypt is a powerful one. It's not pretend or make-believe. It's dipped in the blood and guts of real life. The backdrop is almost entirely dark, actually, as though God understands better than anyone how difficult real life is. But the light and the power of beauty in it, the sheer force of love and goodness and truth, is mind-blowing. Kindness itself stands out against the dark backdrop with vivid, breathtaking intensity. In many ways, the Exodus story is the story of life.
It's the story of God's people being born. This story that begins in tragedy and slavery and bondage and fear is actually a story of birth and hope and kindness and beauty changing the world. The Revolutionary Start The Exodus didn't start when Moses stood before the Red Sea waiting for it to part. It didn't start when Moses stood before Pharaoh waiting for him to let my people go. It didn't start when Moses stood before a burning bush or even when he stood over the body of an Egyptian slave driver he had just killed. Two women started the Exodus before Moses was even born. Two women in a world where women didn't really count much. They weren't even Egyptian women. At least Egyptian women would have had some influence or power. But these